0: Welcome back to the Free Zone Frontier podcast. I'm here with my partner, Dan Sullivan, for another very productive discussion and interesting discussion around the Free Zone Frontier collaboration model.
1: Thank you. And I'm going to introduce you because you didn't introduce yourself. Steve Crane, who oh. runs a, <laughs> a fantastic global entrepreneurial RD lab with hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurial companies. And Kevin Brady is here. And Kevin runs a major, what would you call it, a concierge service? I mean, just to give people an idea.
2: Yeah, health navigation, health concierge Yeah, would be the best way to explain Cross it. Cross
1: borders. So there's both the United States and Canada and possibly global as we go forward. Well, first of all, just a little context for our listeners. We have a third level of strategic coach, which is called Free Zone Frontier. First two levels are the signature level, second level is the 10 times ambition level and the free zone frontier level is based on collaboration between entrepreneurial companies and other entities in which you can create a new value creation model in the marketplace which is both invisible to and not susceptible to competition. So it's basically a competition free zone where you create an entirely new value creation offering in the marketplace. And it's a real breakthrough because a lot of the collaborations we've seen, and both of you have experienced this, is between relatively small entrepreneurial companies and major national and global corporations where they both are kind of totally committed to the same end user they want to be a hero to the same target what i would call the hero target in the marketplace and this is really a crucial part of how you think through a collaboration so steve i'm just going to start i've got four diagrams here and i'm just going to start that basically the starting point for everything in strategic coach is that you look at all your activities as an entrepreneur And you circle the ones that are your unique ability activities, ones that you're always fascinated and motivated, where your best energies, your best motivations go into, and actually probably your greatest skill and your greatest benefit out in the marketplace. And every other activity is labeled as crappy stuff, which means you're wasting your time if you're doing this. And that is susceptible to being handed off to other people who actually have a unique ability in those areas. You create a unique ability teamwork company, which can become a self-managing company, which can become a self-multiplying company. And the real test at the end of all of that is that you have total cash confidence so that you're freed up from cash flow concerns in a reasonable way. And everybody has their own confidence level in relationship, but it would give you the opportunity to collaborate without worrying about the immediate upfront cash for what you're doing.
0: So Dan, would it be fair to say that that's a very conventional way of thinking about building an entrepreneurial company? Would you say that that's straightforward from focusing on leveraging your unique ability to make money and make it multiply and have a great business that? doesn't require any external collaboration necessarily to be successful, but is just successful on its face by just doing what it does.
1: Yeah, and I can see a lot of entrepreneurs in the strategic coach program who, first of all, that would be a great achievement on their part just to do what I've said so far, and they have no interest in going any further than that, but they're 10 times better off than they ever were by doing it the way their industry told them to do it or how their competitors are doing it and the whole thing is that everything in strategic coach frees you up from competition if you're doing the thinking processes and you're planning and you are expanding your company according to the concepts and tools in strategic coach program your competitors will not be doing this and you'll be free from competition on a continual basis okay it's not a magic wand that one day you're free of competition you're freeing yourself up from competition and steve you can go back to 10 years ago 20 years ago that you were doing things in the marketplace where in fact you know in a very real way in a local way you just really didn't have any competition for what you were doing because they weren't thinking in this fashion they weren't organizing themselves in the fashion so it's a muscle building process You know, I've been heavy into gym work for the last three and a half years. And there's just things I can do today that I couldn't dream of doing three and a half years ago. And the tests are showing it. And that's the way I look at entrepreneurial company. You want free zone muscles as an entrepreneur.
0: I was going to say, pull it over, Kevin, because it seems like, Kevin, what is the traditional concierge business is that, right? Is you've got a great business in the foundation, you've got customers, and you've got multipliers of customers, but that doesn't require necessary collaboration yet. Would that be a good framework for your current business?
2: Yeah. Although I would say, I mean, it's interesting because I just came from a large company that I did a presentation to today. And one of the questions they asked me is who else is doing this in Canada? And I kind of looked and I said, no one. And they said, what do you mean no one? I said, there's no one doing this whole model Mm -hmm. in Canada that has put all these pieces together under one roof to make their life really simple. So it's interesting, because when Dan was just talking, I was thinking, we don't really have competition. We just need to get the word out, right? We need to multiply it, right? It's interesting, because I don't know why there isn't more competition. I don't know why other people haven't done exactly what we're doing, other than we're just ahead of the curve because of Dan and strategic coach.
1: <laughs> the thing is that what I notice almost about all the free zone models is that people go across borders. They go across industry borders, they go across market borders, and they go across national borders. You know, I mean, Steve, your model, how many different borders are you crossing? I mean, if you just at a rough notice. Yeah,
0: 24 different countries.
1: Yeah. So the big thing is that anytime you cross a border, 95% of your current competition or would-be competition doesn't think about going through a border. They're bordered in. I sometimes have conversations with friends that we have in Toronto, and they knew about my cancer. So they said, well, where'd you do the work? At uh, St. Mike's? Was it at St. Mike's? Was it at Mount Sinai? And I said, no, no, I did it at Northwestern University Hospital in Chicago. And they said, well, Your Canadian doctor sent you there? And I said, uh, it was because of my Canadian doctor that I had to go there, (laughs) if you want to say. It wasn't a referral because I wasn't getting the care that I wanted. And they said, well, does your Canadian insurance cover that? And I said, well, no. And I said, no, I wrote the check you know, and everything like that. But there's like, if it's outside the bounds of the insurance plan, that's a border and nobody goes outside. So there's all sorts of borders, people. And these are self-imposed internal borders, just how far you're thinking will go in providing solutions. Kevin, you're the most freed up individual that I've met because you've gone from Canada to the U.S., but there's a lot of Americans who run concierge services, but they haven't really crossed the border into Canada.
2: No, yeah, for sure. And I
1: blonde to one. I bought to one out of Baltimore, and they're not bad. But, you know, if I actually asked them to refer to someone great in Toronto, they couldn't tell me who to go to, you know, so that yours is the go-to service.
2: Yeah, and Steve, to answer your question, like, you know, what I see is our massive breakthrough from our perspective is the collaborations, you know, like that's where I see us okay. massively, massively growing. To give an example, like David Berg, we've developed this U.S. snowbird program. So for all our Canadians that go down to Florida, they can now... Give them the
1: numbers, because people just don't understand that how many adult Canadians with their children actually cross the border and go to either Florida or they go to Arizona or they go to Palm Springs or they go to California or they go to Hawaii some part of every winter.
2: Yeah, it's like 15 million people. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> so, so again, I had a discussion with David. I said, how much can you handle? I said, if I get, like tomorrow, get a million new customers, can you handle that? And he kind of hesitated, and then he came back and said, well, yeah, I think I can do that. And I said, well, how about if we get 10 million? Because if we go to Amex and land this deal, guess what? We're getting 15 million people coming through, Yeah. right? Dan, to your point, I think a lot of the stuff we've been doing has been, as you put it, working out, flexing our muscles, building our muscles. And now we're at the point where we're just saying, okay, how do we exponentially grow this thing? And I think it's through those collaborations. Oh, yeah. I think that's what's going to do it.
1: Well, I'll just give you uh, you know, an example of myself. So we just signed a contract with Hay House Publishers. And Hay House is the most aggressive marketing publisher in the United States. They're out of California, Carlsbad and it's a wholly owned company by a man by the name of Reed Tracy. They're really getting big into entrepreneurial books. So right now I'm sitting with a deal, and it's for Who Not How as a major marketplace book. And I've got a major writer, Ben Hardy, who was, when he had it as a goal, he was the top writer on Medium, Google's blog medium worldwide. Some of his blogs, a million readers within 30 days after publishing a blog. And then Tucker Max, who's probably a great, great book packager and marketer and strategist for books, and Reed Tracy, who's got this publishing house, okay? So what I did is I did a deal with them that we just used my small book, quarterly book, Who Not How, as the model. And then I gave them complete creative freedom that you can marinate, slice and dice, and take this book apart and put it back together again any way that you want, that you think would really be good for the major market, and that Hay House would be published about it. And Tucker's going to do all the strategy work, and he does about three or four personal projects a year, and one of them is mine. And Hay House is, you know, major funding, and they wanted to write a much bigger check, but we'll stop with a smaller check with an advance so that you can put the money into marketing after we get the book out there. The deal is they get all the money. So I left all the money from the book, the advances and royalties on the marketer writing and publishing side because we calculated what 50,000 books would do, what 100,000 books would do. And a lot of people sign up for a strategic coach program if it's a well-written book that goes viral. And it takes a lot of book royalties to equal one of our registrations. So I said, I'll just take the money at the back end. Now, the deal is I don't have to do anything except what I'm already doing. And I have a podcast series with Ben. And we actually use the podcast series to write the book and develop the book. But we're also getting advanced marketing now through the podcast doing it. First manuscript goes in on January, finished book next October. And then if they get 50000 in the first year, we get nine books in nine years after that. And they're all the little books going into big books. And I don't have to do anything except what I'm doing because I'm just collaborating. And Ben is getting paid enormously well. Tucker's getting paid enormously well. And Hay House is getting paid enormously well. And it's just a collaboration But it crosses borders, so I'm sitting there, and I say, I just acquired, you know, there was a big multi-hundred thousand dollars of advance, and people say to me, saying, well, why'd you give away all the money? And I said, what money are you talking about? There was no money. The project created the money. You know, the project actually created the money, and then the money pays for the collaborators to actually be constantly fascinated and motivated by what we're building here. But it went across borders, you know, it went across the writing border, went across the marketing border, went across the publishing border. But we're just putting together pieces that already existed, but we're just funding it, you know, with the available resources and getting it out to the world. So the big thing about here is, and I'm just sitting here and I said, you know, it took me 20 hours to put this whole deal together. The only thing I had to sign is that I'm actually the author of the book, but then I had to notify them that the checks went to somebody else besides the author. So that could be a 10-year deal. Yeah.
0: The nuance, which I hope wasn't lost on what you described, is that you just get to do what you're really good at and what your unique ability is, and everybody else does the same.
1: That's exactly right. But
0: Don't change the way you're making money, and I think that oftentimes in entrepreneurially led organizations, they're very opportunistic to make money, right? So Mm -hmm. you get sidetracked with, oh, I can double dip or triple dip. I can make money this way and I can make money that way. And I could get five different bites at the apple. And by the time you're done, you're doing five or six or seven different business models that are in often conflict with each other. So I think the purity of what you described and even what you described, Kevin, when you said You do what you do, David does what he does, but you serve each other. You both keep making money the way you're making it, and you offer something more valuable to both of your collective customers as a result of that collaboration.
1: So, Well, the key thing is that I'm confident about the cash because I have total cash confidence in the way that we already make money. I don't need the cash from this new activity. It actually kind of confuses things that we've got another cash source. The whole point is that 100% really works. If you leave 100% of the money on the other side, it really simplifies things. Yeah,
0: but I would even think of it as somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that your focus also doesn't allow that main cash flow to deteriorate or to come into risk zone by just continuing to stay focused on it. And so I think oftentimes people see their revenue streams eroding or at risk because they're spread so thin. And so rather than double or triple down on that business model, they kind of keep separating out their efforts. Yeah. So you have confidence, but you keep the confidence, which builds again, more cash flow and more
2: confidence.
1: I just want to have my attention on the way we've taken our revenues 250 times in 30 years and it'll keep increasing. You know, I mean, we've been profitable every year, and except for '08 and '09, we actually increased our revenues. We were profitable those years, but the revenues went down. The other thing, there's a distinct advantage of making a lot of money in U.S. dollars and spending it <laughs> in Canada. For Canadian dollars, you know.
2: You're like an NHL hockey player, Dan.
1: <laughs> well, I just got it analyzed since 1989. It's a $1. dollar 26 for every dollar that came across the border. And I said, you know, it buys you a lot of Good. confidence, actually, that extra 26 cents a dollar. So that's the cash confidence. So if you don't have this, you can't play the collaboration game. If you don't have the total cash confidence from the way you already know how to make money, you can't play the collaboration game. But the way you play collaboration game isn't, first of all, to look at potential collaborators. It's to look at the what I call the hero target that you have for your value creation anyway, just in terms of strategic coach. For 30 years, I've been constant. It's successful, talented, ambitious entrepreneurs who want to increase their freedom, their entrepreneurial freedom in terms of their time, their money their relationships and purpose and that's the only person in the world that i'm really interested in being a hero to and i've devoted 45 well certainly 30 years since we started the program and my Greatest area of interest with my DOS target is what are their DOS issues? What are the dangers that they have? And this is shifting all the time. You know, as time goes by, they work in economic circumstances and political circumstances, social circumstances where they have dangers that need to be eliminated. What opportunities, emerging opportunities, do they have that need to be captured? for them to be really feeling great about their company and their life period and then also strengths that they have that need to be maximized. But we do this anyway, Steve you do this for your startup, you do the DOS on them, Kevin you do it for your Canadians just in terms of the Canadian system and you do them for Canadian individuals who are going into the United States, you do the DOS issues. But what I'm talking about here is that you would do that anyway. And back to your point, Steve, you would do this anyway if you really want to be a successful business. But here you do a complete 360 DOS. And what I mean by a 360 DOS, I want to know what their issues are, just period, not referencing it back to what I can do for them. I just want to know what life looks like from the inside of their universe in 360 degrees because that gives me a piece of knowledge that I absolutely need. So being a hero, and the other thing about the being a hero, you check it out over 25 years. In other words, this is who I want to be a hero to now. This is who I wanted to be a hero 30 years ago, and guess what, 25 years from now, this is who I want to be a hero to. They're much bigger players now than they were 30 years ago, and they'll be much, much bigger players 25 years from now, but I've got a true north on the compass about just who I want to be a hero to. And I don't want to take strategic coach anywhere else. I don't want to take it into any other realm of human activity except ambitious, successful, talented entrepreneurs who want to increase their freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose.
0: How do you differentiate your 25-year DOS target with your unique ability target of the hero at that level? So how would you differentiate the two?
1: I just wanted to get clear of the question here. So you got DOS and you have my unique ability. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at your visual in the upper right-hand corner, and I see the jump from unique ability, total cash confidence to being a hero with a DOS target out 25 years. Yeah. How do you differentiate the two circles in terms of what's the difference between the 360 DOS at the cash confidence level and the 360 DOS at the 25 year level, just out of curiosity, how you're thinking about it.
1: Well, it's a constant checkoff. You know, it's kind of like the moonshot, you know, of the Apollo spacecraft. They have a plumb line that takes them out to the you know, landing on the moon, and you're tacking back and forth. So you got to have a feel for what it looks ah, like.
0: Ah, okay. So it's a DOS that's both relevant today as well as 25 yeah, years. Yeah,
1: I want this constant being a hero to this particular DOS universe over 25 years.
0: Right. This is the vacillating between 90 days and 25 years.
1: Yeah, So, you know, I want to know that I'm on track, that I'm not getting off track, but they're living in a changing world, my entrepreneurs, and I have 60 different industries from as many countries as you do. So I've got to be checking all the time of the environmental conditions that are determining their dangers, their opportunities and strengths on a continual basis. So I got to be super alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful to what's actually happening to them, not just in relationship to what I can do for them, but in relationship to just what they need, period. So
2: that's why you do the 360 DOS versus just the DOS based on how you can help them,
1: right? That's right. Yeah. I want to know everything that's happening to them. And, you know, I can't survey 2,500 current clients on doing this, but there's a representative, you know, you can get 25, that'll give you 80 or 90% feel for what's actually happening in the world with them. And that's all I want to do. And the best ones to do it are the ones who are actually in the upper levels of 10 times and the free zone frontier. I've got a tremendous handle on the UK because I have two or three UK clients who are major players in the 10 times. So I get a, a real feel for the different countries. That's why I'm a geopolitical, yeah. you know, I'm a probably geopolitical because my entrepreneurs live across the planet. Singapore, I mean, I've got two clients from Singapore, and they said, You can't believe what. The troubles in Hong Kong have done to Singapore, because Singapore is just sitting there waiting for all the major corporations in Hong Kong to shift their main offices to Singapore. And they've been waiting ever since the British gave back Hong Kong to the Chinese. The structure was already sitting there. He says, they're going to screw it up. He says, I know the Chinese are going to screw up Hong Kong, and we're going to be waiting for everybody to come over once they do. And they would already made the inquiries and everything. And they said, keep your office, you know, as if you're still there, but you aren't still there. You're you're actually here in Singapore. Well, I'm very interested in that because I've got to help my Singapore clients think through how they're going to take advantage of this. You know, Right, and,
0: you're expanding the universe of your DOS. I got that. So that was a helpful mm-hmm. now in 25 years. I didn't necessarily connect those the first time I looked at it. so It was actually very helpful. So now bring me down to the next graphic where the unique abilities and being a hero plays out. In multiple. Yeah.
1: And here's where the collaborators show up on the radar screen. Who else is a value creator that also has my hero target as a hero target of their own? In other words, they're in love with the same person in the marketplace as I am. Okay. So in my publishing collaboration with Ben Hardy and Tucker Max and with Reed Tracy, what holds it together, we're all in love with the same reader. They're in love with entrepreneurial readers, okay? They're in love with people who are entrepreneurs and who love entrepreneurs. And that's true today, and it'll be true 25 years from now. So I trace it back. So I've got a writer who's in love with this. I've got a publisher who's in love with And I got a major book strategist and publisher. I mean, it's a very advantageous financial deal that I put together, but that in itself is not gonna hold it together It might hold it together for a year, but it might not hold it together for 10 years. Okay. So I feel totally confident that their commitment to the same target reader as my reader will be constant and growing.
0: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, Dan. It's a very truth-telling exercise to sift through and flush out those that are not aligned with that. And I'm thinking very personally to a couple of experiences I've had recently where when you shake the tree a little bit, you see that there's people with short-term or shorter-term mindsets and are not necessarily interested on that 25-year DOS of the entrepreneur transforming health. And In particular, we make an investment in entrepreneur, by the way, at a very early stage many times, We're thinking about not what they're working on right now. We're thinking about their mindset and their ambition to what impact they want to make 25 years from now. There are investors, there are partners, there are people who are much more short-term minded than that. And you can, interestingly, through this conversation about who really cares about the 25-year impact, really find truth in the conversation and quickly realize that there are people who don't belong to be on the journey with you. In that collaborative way. So oh, yeah.
1: As much as it attracts, it repels. You know, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but this is a potential free zone frontier participant within the next half year. And he's into extreme cooling. It's called cryogenics, cryogenic science. Yep. And it's absolutely the crucial testing capability that you have to have if you're in quantum computing. So he was telling me about it, you know, and it's the only thing right now that Democrats and the Republicans are eye to eye with is that the U.S. has to win the quantum computing race. You know, it's the Manhattan Project all over again. It's the Apollo Project all over again. There's nothing that gets the U.S. is a race and a competition with someone that they want to see as a potential enemy you know i mean it does a country no good to get the u.s to take you seriously as an enemy see canadians are smart they never let the u.s think that they're an enemy you know, <laughs> you know that you don't get the americans too interested so he was talking about you know quantum computing and who the other people are involved and i says well i know who you want to be a hero to and he says who i says united states of america you want to be a hero to the united states of america winning the quantum computing race in the world, to have quantum computing hegemony in the world. And he says, that's absolutely true. And I said, well, I can name any number of players in the quantum computing world who don't have that desire to be a hero. Yeah. But I said, now that you know this is who you want to be a hero, are there other people whose capabilities, they're not your capabilities, but they're allied capabilities in the quantum computing thing, and are you a simplifier or a multiplier in what you provide to it? And he said, well, I think I'm kind of a multiplier. So he lives in Montana. I said, well, if you're a multiplier, I'd tell you, you wouldn't be living in Montana. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be living in Silicon Valley or you'd be living in Santa Monica or you'd be living in New York City, up on the Upper West Side, about a half a block from where Steve is talking to us now. And so the next part of this model is once you've traced back to the value creators who have the same loyalty and they have the same long-term commitment to being a value creator to the, you know, hero target, then you say, well, who's the best collaboration? And here you have to determine whether you're a simplifier or a multiplier. And that's my next book. So I'm about halfway through the next book, which is called Simplifier, Multiplier, collaboration. I've got seven chapters in for writing right now, and it's a very simple test. I remember, Steve, we had a conversation at the last Free Zone Frontier, and he said, well, I'm kind of a simplifier. And I said, not by any conversation that I've had with you over the <laughs> you know over the last twenty three years. Yeah. You know who can I phone here? What conference can I go? I said, you know what a simplifier does. I said, you know if I hadn't met Bab Smith, I'd be working on version fifty of the strategy <laughs> circle. <laughs> you know, and I'd be alone with a half empty bottle of wine, worried about the rent in an apartment somewhere. I said, I'm a simplifier. My first thought is, oh, how can I make this even simpler? How can I? Make Make this even simpler and my thoughts never go out to the world how can i expand this out into hey, the Dad, world I,
2: I see you as both though like i see what you do day to day over the years in our workshops and everything else you distill things down to make life really simple in a complicated could be a very complicated yep. business role so you're a simplifier but i also see you as a multiplier like i think you're an amazing multiplier i think you multiply like you just talked about your
1: book right No, but I have great multiplying capabilities, okay? But Babs is the trigger person on all of these. We have to get Dan somebody who does this. We have to get this capability. So if I trace it back to the 30, well, certainly the 30 years of the workshop program, every major decision that expanded us out into the world, Babs says it's time to do this. We started in Toronto, and she says let's go to Vancouver. We went to Vancouver. And she says, well, since we're making the trip, let's go to Calgary and Edmonton. You know, And that's where we started it. And then we're a couple of years in and she said, okay, time to go to the States. Where do we go? Well, I said, Chicago is the main airport. It's one flight from anywhere in the US, anywhere from Canada you know, to Chicago. New York isn't that way. LA isn't that way, but Chicago is that way. It's right in the center. So when I trace back all the expansions and I'm surrounded by teams, I have great technology and I have workshops and everything, but none of that was triggered by any decision on my part. My part is what's the next great concept where I can simplify something that would be a thinking tool?
0: You know, Kevin, that was my initial take as well. And I spent a good deal of the last workshop wrestling with this question. And what I concluded from Dan pushing back on that, which I appreciated, was the notion of the embracing of the importance of simplification and multiplication is very different than it being your unique ability or your natural instinct. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the interesting things about almost everybody in the Free Zone Frontier room is they could have felt like they could wear either hat. Sometimes, like I did, I thought I was one versus the other, but I think real collaborators who multiply each other, have an appreciation for the need for both. Otherwise, you end up, as Dan just said, alone in a corner doing your thing in your version 50 of things. Or on the flip side, flailing around, multiplying something that's way too complicated. So I think the magic is being able to blend both, but which one are you in the equation?
1: Yeah, well, the big test is here, if you could do 100% one, and you were guaranteed that you had 100% on the other side. See, there's a risk here. You have to be committed to the concept of simplifier-multiplier. And there's a period of courage where you said, you know, I'm going to trust, for example, in the book contract, I'm going to trust that Ben and Tucker and Reed are going to do their thing to 100%. So I don't have to think about that. I don't have to give any thought to how this major market book is going to be expanded. And as a matter of fact, even like the interview process of doing media interviews and everything else, Ben is going to handle it all. You know, if there's a TED Talk out of this, guess what? Ben's going to do the TED Talk. You know, and this is a way that you get books out like that. And I said, I'm just staying on my side of the line. But I will tell you, and I'll ask you about this, because, Kevin, you were there, and you were in the last workshop where we really went deeply in the free zone frontier. Mm -hmm. We talked about this simplifier-multiplier thing. And I remember seeing you, Kevin, you were on a Zoom conference, and it made all the difference in the world. Your whole conversation with David Berg came because of your certainty That you were a multiplier in his certainty that he was a simplifier. Yeah,
2: interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like when I said, David, can you handle a million? And he said, don't worry about it. I will look after that. Right? Like that tells me, he said, Kevin, don't worry about that. That's my thing. You go multiply. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You go find a million people and i, I and, work. and I will
1: tell you this, because I've been working with Dave personally on this project for, you know, the last five or six years, where you know, we would talk at least quarterly and we would have Zoom calls about that. I can just see where his enthusiasm is. It's making his model simpler. It's making his model easier to use. But when it says, well, why don't you come to Chicago, you know, and there's lots of people you could get interest in Chicago. And he says, eh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way in the world, but you would be in Chicago 10 times faster than Dave would. And that shows the strength. And I've seen you talk about your uh, global... Relationship, Steve, and I've heard you talk about your investment conferences. Relationship, and it's just sheer joy in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. And then you talk about how your team isn't getting things right. <laughs> it's not the way I want it. And all the angst in your life is on the simplifier side, and all your joy is on the multiplier side. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. So, can I ask, and uh, I'd like Steve's opinion on this. So, because what I struggle with, still with this, is. I mean if I look at what our business does for our hero which is a business owner, successful business owner, what we do is we simplify health. You have a health issue, we got it figured mm-hmm. out. We'll find you the best in the world. President CEO of a major restaurant chain across Canada called me on the way to the hotel. His son's got Lyme disease. We'll figure it out. Like tomorrow we'll have an answer of where he should go, should it be Germany, should it be here. So our model is simplifying healthcare. So I go, "Okay, that's our business." So maybe that's where I'm getting confused. No,
1: your company can do this, but you can't do it. Okay. First of all, you started with a small market. You were talking about telling the truth here, Steve. Telling the truth is everybody who got to the level to qualify for a strategic coach in the first place had to be both a simplifier and multiplier to get there. We look at our puppy days as entrepreneurs, and we say, gee, you know, that's not very impressive, but in fact, your puppy days were better than other people's puppy days. And the reason was because, you know, I'm a trained advertising copywriter. I have a lot of skills. I have good speaking skills. I have good acting skills. So I have good front stage skills, and I had to rely on those for a long time just to get some multipliers into our system. But if you asked me if you had a choice that you didn't have to do any of this and you could spend 100% time, what would it be? I said simplifying the next area of strategic coach DOS issues to bring it down to very simple formulas. And if I was guaranteed that I had 100% multipliers on the other side, I would just play the role that they want me to play from time to time. But I wouldn't give any thought to it whatsoever. Yep. Yeah. Kevin, you bring up,
0: I think something, if I go back to, I don't remember if it was this podcast episode or the one before it where you actually said, you just need to get the word out. That's a multiplier challenge. <laughs> I look at that as never an issue of oh, getting the word out. I mean, you just said three <laughs> minutes ago about what you do when people need help get a prognosis, a diagnosis, or concern, you're the first call and you'll figure it out. That message would translate around the world in every region, in every marketplace, in every way, shape, or form. That might not be your focus, but I could see just in the U.S. and Canada how getting that very simple message out and multiplying that out, doing nothing more than you're doing right now, would change the game, yep. right? So you're already doing the hard work. How do you multiply it? And multiply it not in the throughput way of execution on a throughput way at the top of the funnel, how do you 10x your flow of customers and clients? And so yeah. you've simplified it, but now if you just go with, only thing you sound like you need is to multiply it. And there's a lot of collaborators both in our room every quarter, but also around the world that are just born multipliers of that message.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, it's interesting to say that because Mark Young and I, we've had a couple of calls and like he's basically saying, Kev, you got to get this on XM and you're going to have 10 million customers. He goes, we just get the word out, right? (laughs) I mean, what you offer transcends age. It transcends income.
0: It transcends any amount of money people have. I just came back from Australia, and I was giving a presentation, and most people think people with money don't have the same problems they do when it comes to health, and the reality is it's the great leveler. Bill Gates' father has Alzheimer's. His mother died of breast cancer. And even though he's got all the money in the world, he's still stuck with the same questions you ask: Who are the right doctors? Where do I go? What do I need to do? And a hundred billionaire, a millionaire, or somebody with no money has the same question. So you only need to ask, who do you want to reach Mm -hmm. this message to? Because I think it transcends everyone. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And I would say you can talk about a million, you know in the collaboration between you and David. But the whole point is, check out the first hundred and see what you can learn from the first hundred. You have total control over the flow. okay? And I would say, well, if I can do a hundred, I bet I can do a thousand. If I can do a thousand, I can do 10,000. You don't have to create a model for a million. You grow a model for a million through 10 times jumps. and everything and you have total control because nobody else is doing this i mean it's not like there's 20 other collaborations out there who are going to beat you to the goal line here nobody else is even thinking about this no and now i just want to finish this off the first collaboration if it's really going to be meaningful if you're a simplifier it has to be with a multiplier if you're a multiplier it has to be with a simplifier but as you go along you may find that other simplifiers can be added and other multipliers can be added, but there's always a primary collaboration that gets the collaboration going. And
0: in a nod to Nick Nanton, who was one of my first collaboration partners in strategic coach in our Free Zone Frontier program, he is by virtue of being a simplifier, which is creating compelling four minute video, he became a multiplier, it became a multiplier for us. So he helped us simplify, so that we could then multiply the message. And so I do think it's a really wonderful way to simplify, no pun intended, the thinking about how they play together.
1: Yeah. So Yeah, and the beautiful thing about it, I found that the agreement on this is almost instantaneous because it's such a no-brainer at the moment that each sees, you know, there's not a thing on your side of the line that I would ever like to be involved in. And there's this mutual recognition that we're both freeing ourselves up from a lot of unnecessary complication and angst in the future. And I've just noticed in the six weeks between workshop quarters how my productivity has just gone through the roof and knocking out simplifiers in print, simplifiers in diagrams. And the reason is I feel freed up. You know, if I'm a really, really great simplifier, the multipliers are going to be there i don't have to worry about that side of the line so i just like to wrap up and i just like to go through and kind of wrap up what we got because first of all we got finished here and my feeling is that this truly creates a free zone frontier because there's steps in logic and steps in you know your progress as an organization which just almost automatically disqualifies anyone from even understanding this if they didn't have it as a goal. And if they had it as a goal, then yeah, they're I, a player.
0: I agree. I want to add my biggest insight, Dan, was actually my question, which was the difference between now and 25 years and the DAS alignment with other collaborators who share your passion for the audience that you want to be a hero to a great, great truth telling device, simple, clear, and even if you don't like the answer at the end of the day, that they're not, it's an important signal that you need to be able to integrate into your thoughts around collaboration so it's not forced and it's authentic. So thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, thanks. I would say my big takeaways were the simplifier or multiplier. And again, my confusion was our business simplifies. So does that mean I'm a simplifier or a multiplier? And I think I've confirmed that I personally am a multiplier. And that's likely why David Berg and I and others in our program are collaborating because we can work together to do what we do best, right? Which is an extension of our unique ability, right? So what you know, where should we be spending our time? So that and Dan, I like your comment about you know you don't need to go to 10 million, even though I want to get to 10 million or 100 million right away. You can grow it in 10x groups, right? So. Or 10x blocks. So, yep. you know, don't try to do 10 or 20 or 100 million overnight because I don't need to.
1: Yep. Well, you as a Canadian should know that you shouldn't get ahead of your skis. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs>
0: Kevin, I want to thank you. You are actually our first guest on the podcast. We've had the idea since the very first podcast, we said we get to a place where we could invite fellow free zone frontiersmen and women, free zone frontier people into our conversation. And I thought it was a lot of fun to have you here and excited to use this to set the benchmark for other guests and conversations, but really appreciated your both contribution and questions, especially this last one around the clarification between Simplifier and multiplier. That helped me too.
2: Yeah, well, thank you, Steve. And thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's great what you're doing personally and corporately and everything else. And Dan, always love talking to you. And I just, you know, the reason I love the program so much is we are changing the world. We are changing the world, which was awesome.
1: Yeah, but on our timing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, take care, fellas. Okay, thanks so much. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye.